0: Hey, everyone, and welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm James Anderson, one of your hosts.
1: And I'm Colin Parker, your other host. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, until the end of time.
0: That's right, Colin. And, you know, it's time for train time. It's train time once train again. Train time. Yeah. Train time. <laughs> <doo-doo-doo-doo-doo>. that... um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, This would be a great
1: moment for an actual train to go by my apartment.
0: Yeah, let's see. Hold on. Hang on. Karun, did you get that?
1: Yes. Yeah, I'm not going to do the voice, but yes, we definitely did.
0: All right. So, yeah, we're going to be on the train, and here's where we're going to be on the train. Here's our train time,
1: huh? Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7, Episode 2, of course. We're going to start at 1903. We're going to end at 1953. It's an express train. Um, So here's what happens in this short 50-second clip. Back on the train, Mackenzie and Shaw take the opportunity to examine the cases of alcohol while an unsuspecting Malik is asleep. Shaw ends up opening one of Malik's bottles and takes a swig. He grimaces as he acknowledges that it is indeed alcohol. Shaw asks his superior what it, as, Shaw asks his superior what it is they are looking for exactly, but Mackenzie admits he doesn't know, although he believes there is more to the story than some run of the mill bootlegging job. In this synopsis, run of the mill bootlegging is all hyphenated, which is fun. It's four hyphens. Eventually, Shaw's invention works. That is the walkie-talkie. Shaw, Shaw's invention should be in inverted right, commas in, as they say in England. quotes. Yeah. And Enoch's voice is heard, albeit with some radio static. Mackenzie tries to talk with Enoch, but it ultimately proves fruitless. Malik subsequently wakes up and sees Shaw has been snooping his stuff.
1: Hmm. So,
0: Colin, we're recording this yeah. on February seventeenth, twenty twenty-two. We had to push a guest uh, who was feeling under the weather. So, I do have a guest gin, but I'm going to, okay. I'm going to do some magic. I'm going to pour my secret Brand X serum on it, and it's going to turn into a host gin. Are you ready?
1: Okay,
0: sure. I don't know what's happening That's a lot
1: of smoke. Is that supposed to happen? Yeah,
0: it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, that shows it's working. Um, okay, cool. yeah, yeah. It's, uh, don't get any, you don't want to have kids, right? It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, <laughs> this is a a question a now and here it is. It's actually a host statement slash imperative statement. Um, <laughs> tell me about a time. When something suddenly started working at the worst time possible, something hadn't been working and then it was working, but that was not the time for it to start working.
1: When I was younger, think back to the days of sort of the earlier models of, uh, of the Game Boy, right? Okay. Yep. I'm talking, uh, Game Boy devices, pre backlit screens.
0: Got it. I had a Grain Boy, as I just realized I wanted to call it. Um, <laughs> I only had the gra- two Grain Boys in my life.
1: Mm. I had uh, every... You know what? It, what's interesting is that I've had every single Game Boy up, up through the SP, which was the one that had the backlight. Mm. Uh, and then they came out with the Nintendo DS, and I did not get one for years. I mm-hmm. only got a 3DS because they put out an anniversary version for... Uh, Pokemon, mm-hmm. like the very first game that I ever got on Game Boy as well. So I was like, of course, I got to get this. But anyway, so it was either the days of Game Boy Color or maybe Game Boy Advance. It was one of the two. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, like, yes, I did own one of those little lights that you could plug in uh, through, like, one of the little side things to uh-huh. light your screen at night. Yeah, I had one but of those. But that really drains the battery. Uh-huh. So what I would do is, is at night... Is uh, whether I was if I was reading a book or if I was playing a Game Boy, I would have a flashlight that I had smuggled into my room. Nice and I would hide it. And then at night after I said goodnight and the lights were out and I knew everyone was downstairs and stuff, I would uh pull the sheet over my head and then you know, shine the light into the space and use that light to play games. Sure. Now I will point out that it still wasn't perfectly lighting up the area like fully. Right. And I've always thought to myself over the years, um, you know, it's crazy that my eyesight just got worse and worse <laughs> over time. And then one day I went, you know, it's probably that. Like <laughs> the amount of times that I did that, or I would refuse to turn off the Game Boy when like we'd be driving and the sun would be going down, and I would yeah. just be like trying to play by the light <laughs> passing over us. You know, like I no, was just mom, constantly if I flex my eyes, my eyes. I can eyes. see exactly. See
0: her eye. Oh uh, no, yeah, that's come not no. not good. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It's like, those are not muscles meant to be flexed. So, uh, yeah, so I I do think that it is actually probably my fault. And it's interesting because my eyesight got worse and worse and worse and worse. And then one day it did finally stop getting worse. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think it's mostly from straining uh, with these sorts of screens. But anyway, my whole point, though, is that uh, I remember that this system worked perfectly, right? Right. Because at that house... We had uh, at the very top of the steps, w- there was like some sort of loose floorboard or something. You could not avoid it, right? To be very right. clear. Sure. The only way you could was by being a nimble like seven-year-old right. and like doing a thing where you kind of like catwalk around a corner. Right. And then put a foot on a banister and then put the next foot onto a step. So my parents obviously were not able to do this. So that meant that every time they came upstairs, right before they could be in a spot where they could see me or see if there was a light, you know, under my, you know, like uh, in my room or whatever, uh, I could hear them. So I do recall one time I was doing this late at night and the flashlight was starting to die. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, it's fine. I'll get it in a bit. You know, I'll... Yeah, I'll fix it up or whatever. And uh, I do remember finally going like, okay, it's it's just, it's so dim, I can't see anything anymore, so I'm going to switch out the batteries. Uh-huh. So I was trying to very quietly, you know, put the flashlights back in the uh, flashlight and everything like that, or put new flashlight uh, batteries in, uh, but the issue was, was that I had forgotten that I left it straight up on, and so I had come out from from under the sheet, Right. And I heard someone (laughs) at the top of the steps, but I was like, well, there's no light, so I should be fine. Right. Right. And I was like, cool. And then I pressed a little light thing down and I twisted the little, you know, the, the top on. And then suddenly I was blinded by the light revved up like a deuce in the middle of the night. And then suddenly I heard footsteps coming down the hall. I quickly turned it off and I, you know, Slam my yeah. head against the pillow. Of course. And my bedroom door opened, and it was my father who walked in and was just like, it's late. Go to bed. <laughs> and that was it. I love it. But what about you, James? I'm
0: sure that there is a there is a story of, like, uh, sort of like you, like, I left something on. I'm, th- I'm having a memory that I can't remember what the memory is. But, like, I definitely have a memory of something, like, where... I fixed a circuit or a, you know, like I popped the fuse or whatever. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, no, I left the whatever on. And it was like run back upstairs because the the, the electricity was suddenly back on, on the, you know, on the whatever. Um, it's funny that it's all electricity, that all of this is electricity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because the thing is like, it's kind of like technology can sometimes really. And you know what, though? It is also kind of like the walkie talkie, right? Technology is the thing that I think that you sometimes just can't control when it's not something that you know fully how it works necessarily, Yeah, Yeah. you know, or like, you know how it works, but it's like, you didn't build it. So it's like, you can't kind of can't always expect what's coming. Um,
0: there's also the, the auto mechanic rule, which is, I'm not sure if it has an official name, but like if something is broken in your car and you take it to the auto mechanic, it will not be broken when the auto mechanic looks at it. Yes. Cool. Well, those were good, very good examples of, the sort of thing that happens that the walkie-talkie started working right when the person, they didn't want to wake up, woke up. Colin, mm-hmm. yes, back James. to you.
1: Thanks, James. Here in the studio, I'm Colin Parker. That's all for us this evening. Wait, hang on, what's this? Breaking news. Freddie was in this episode, so that means it's time for... Who's Freddie. Okay, James, this yeah. Fred is yes. known for being incredibly sharp, especially with his witty comebacks and one-liners. His humor, <laughs> however, is not strong enough to cut through the horrible upbringing he had, which left its scars on him physically and mentally, leading him to a life of pain and suffering. Now, I can't imagine this is what he had dreamed of being when he grew up, but I suppose when you've dealt with the horrors that he has, anyone's spirit could be left behind. James, who's Freddy?
0: Um, there are a number of schools of thought on this. One, two, Freddy's (laughs) coming for you. Uh, Three, four, etc. Hold on, I need to call Mm -hmm. my friend Nancy. Who? Ah, Freddy Krueger. Is the answer to that?
1: Uh, It's also funny is that like I was trying to keep a straight face, but for some weird reason, the second I said "incredibly sharp," which is the first part of the sentence, I just I couldn't stop smiling about it because like I was like, yeah, I mean, it's just gonna be obvious, so. Okay, well, very good. I'm going to give you a bonus Freddy fact. This is not like a Who's Freddy because this is a different type of fictional Freddy that we've never met necessarily or that you might rather have never met. Um, I don't think I have either, but it is actually, interestingly enough, a Fred within Marvel that I found out about today while searching something else. Uh, Hmm. So there is a character in Marvel Comics known as Fred Davis who is actually the name of a character who picked up the role or maybe the mantle perhaps of bucky in marvel comics. So, there's this interesting, what? you know, factoid where Bucky Barnes like like obviously yeah. was his like nickname, but like the Bucky as a sidekick was well known.
0: Bucky the brand, right.
1: Right. So like the, it was yeah, exactly. So essentially uh, when Bucky died. They needed a new Bucky, so they gave it to Fred Davis. And then at one point, they think that uh, you know, both Captain America and the other Bucky, you know, again, they both come back. everything's fine. Then they think both of them have died. So President Harry Truman thinks that their you know their deaths would be uh, a blow to American morale. Uh, yeah. So he asked someone else to come in and assume the, the Captain America identity right. and asked Fred Davis to come in and operate as the new Bucky. Just
0: just really quick. Fred Davis was later targeted and killed by a psychopathic Red Room assassin named Leo Novikov as part of a plan mm-hmm. to taunt and break Winter Soldier, who was the original Bucky. Leo used Fred's blood to write only one Bucky left on the wall. Jeez. Ugh. That's yeah, that's that's very interesting. Thanks. Thanks, Colin.
1: Absolutely. And now, what about the music of 1931, James?
0: Colin, I don't have a music of 1931
1: today. Oh, okay. Well then.
0: Because I have a new segment. Oh. We're going to finish out 1931 with some history of television in 1931.
1: Television, television. Because
0: television, as we'll find out, was technically, you can't prove in a court of law that television wasn't a thing in 1931, even though what I'm about to tell you You'll be like, yeah, but why would we even want that? So here we go. Um okay. there were some there were some TV shows that debuted in 1931. And I'm gonna tell you about them for the next couple episodes, and then after that, there'll be what happened in 1931 in television history, and then we'll be out in 1931. Cause I ran Perfect. out of songs, basically. So
1: Well, the thing is there's probably more songs, but they're no, all Bing Crosby, no. you know? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the first um tv show that debuted in 1931 was called exhibition boxing bouts oh by the way a theme of this is going to be how do we title things uh do just say what it is yeah all right all right so exhibition boxing bouts is the possible title for a very early american television series aired 1931 1932 in new york city it consisted of miniature boxing matches now i'm gonna get back to that because i was like were they like kids or like yeah, what? Yeah, that's yeah. Um, it's not that. So rest easy. Um, They're
1: very very quick. Five <laughs> right. seconds in the ring. That's um,
0: it. I think it may be that, but I think also the ring was smaller. I think the, uh, I think those are the answers. Um, I think actually it may have been uh, short too. They and had yes. to
1: stand. They had to stand in one spot, and one right. had to wear red. One had to wear blue. Exactly. And actually, what happens is they could only punch if someone in their corner hit a button. It's right. just Rock'em Sock'em Robots.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Rock'em Rockefeller, Sockenfeller Robots. Um so it aired on what was then the mechanical television station W two XAB. Because I think that Jeez. they didn't do broadcasting yet necessarily all the time. Gotcha. Which later became WCBS TV. Uh time slots oh, varied from fifteen minutes Yeah. WCBS, heard of it? Um <laughs> Time slots varied from 15 minutes to 30 minutes, and it aired without commercials as United States television was still an experimental service. None of the episodes exist. None of the episodes still exist as it aired live, and Damn. practical methods to record live television did not exist until late 1947. That so, makes
1: sense, to be Agent honest. Agent Carter
0: season two is when we can start recording television. Um, A still photograph of the series appears in page 19 of the February 20, 1932 edition of The New York Sun, depicting two boxers in a small ring. Exhibition Boxing Bouts, a show that was definitely on when sometimes television shows were just 15 minutes long. Colin, that's your first installment of TV of 1931.
1: Well, thank you, James. Uh, We're going to switch channels one last time here and head into the social media section of this episode, and then... see you all on another episode so if you would like to find this podcast uh and sort of follow it and see what's going on follow us at timeline scav if you want to follow the network that we're a part of the scavengers network you can follow them at scavengers net if you want to find me you can find me on twitter at colin m parker
0: if you want to find me on twitter you can find me at unabashed james
1: and of course the man of the hour you can find Nick Bramald, the guy who wrote the music at the beginning and end of this episode, at N-B-R-A-M-A-L-D, or Composer.co.uk. And with that, that's going to do it for this episode of 1931, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and Timeline Scavengers. As always, I'm Colin Parker.
0: I'm James Anderson. Excelsior! mama let me whisper in your ear and tell you about the
1: comedy podcast on natural 20s do we really want to limit ourselves to just saying we're only a comedy podcast you're right we have a lot to offer like intellectual conversations well did you guys know australia once lost a war entirely to emus do you think emus frown upside down because they're in
0: australia like they're below the equator yeah duh Health and fitness. Pasta is great, but you usually have a lot of extras, but have no fear. Thigh-warmed pasta is here. Plot the bag of leftover pasta on your thighs and eat those puppies like popcorn. We have microwaves. I have thighs. You know what? Actually, we can never decide what we're
1: going to talk about. And that's why we leave the fate of each episode up to the rolls of a D20. So download Unnatural 20s on your favorite podcast app and roll with us every Monday. The
0: Scavengers Network.
1: Creator-driven.
0: Community-focused. Treasured content.